0: We're going to try something different today. This is a slightly experimental episode. You'll probably notice the audio quality is a little different or inconsistent. It changes a few times. This is a series of interviews that I did for a recent YouTube video comparing Final Cut and Premiere and how some very high-end professional editors that I look up to choose between the two software platforms. I find... So often these um these become like sport matches where people want to just cheer on the side that they're using. Uh people post all these videos about why I'm switching to Premiere Pro or why I'm ditching Premiere Pro or I'm moving over to Resolve Forever. And there's a lot of kind of hype behind it because I think that's what brings the clicks on YouTube. And I want to take away some of that the kind of the bullcrap from the discussion. I want it to be, here's why people actually make these choices and and have a relatively unbiased discussion about it. Just a a normal discussion with smart people and help you figure out which might be the right editing tool for you. And like I say, the audio will be a little weird. Uh, Also, even the way that I'm doing the interview doesn't quite sound like the normal podcast. And this is because it was all recorded for video Um, So for one thing, you know, I'm interviewing people slightly differently to be able to have the smaller excerpts. And if you've never noticed, audio quality is usually worse in video, but you just, you forgive it. It's it's insane how big of a difference it is once you start listening to if you just put your headphones in and close your eyes, listen to a YouTube video, you'll notice oh yeah the audio sounds way worse than all the podcasts I listen to, and uh, you're just kind of more forgiving when you see an image you you don't mind there being a bit more echo or a bit no, more noise in the background. Um, anyway, it's not, it's not like the audio is that bad. You'll just notice that it shifts a few times, but I uh, really appreciate the guests that came on. Um, I guess uh, I'll let you know ahead of time who they are. First, we got uh, Thomas Grove Carter. He is a high-end commercial video editor using Final Cut Pro. He's been on the show before. And then we've got Johnny Harris, who does Borders for Vox and also has his own YouTube channel that he's been uploading a lot more to lately. And then after that, we've got Matthew Moniz, who hasn't been on the podcast yet. He's a YouTuber. He has a lot of great reviews, tech stuff, um, but was doing, I felt, a really good job of diving into the differences between Macs and PCs. And I always find that conversation really interesting. And I only want to hear from people that are willing to take all of the sports out of it. (laughs) Again, uh, I, I like these conversations to actually try to get to the heart of what's going on. Then finally, we've got Jonathan Morrison, who has also been here before. Um, you probably know him from YouTube because he is amazing, and he has been doing some work on related videos. Uh, unfortunately, he didn't get his posted yet, so I haven't seen what, he, what his tests show. Uh, yeah, I know he was comparing Final Cut and Premiere as well, um, but yeah, it was good to get his insights in it. So that's enough delaying for me. Let's get to the interviews. To find out more about Final Cut Pro and how it can work for you, I called one of the best Final Cut users I know, Thomas Grove Carter, who works at Trim Editing and does world-class work with Final Cut. Hey, Thomas, how's it going?
1: Hey, Tyler, how are you doing?
0: Can you tell me a bit about why you choose to use Final Cut?
1: Uh, so I started in Final Cut 7 and then in Avid and then Premiere. I used those for many years, but I found that Final Cut 10 is the fastest way I'm able to work uh, as an editor. Um, is the only NLE that I feel really lets me get into a proper creative flow and just keep working, getting the ideas from my head onto the screen like as quickly as possible. And when I get into a complex project, the software kind of doesn't get in the way and stop me from pulling things apart and redoing things and trying out new stuff, even if I've got really complex picture and audio.
0: A common thing that I hear from people that are looking to get into Final Cut is that it maybe doesn't support the complexity that they're looking for, that it might be oversimplified, especially the magnetic timeline, do you see a, a missing piece that might help them understand it better
1: I think there's um there's a perception that it's not complex but it is actually very very deep and co- the the app itself is really deep and complex I think it's kind of everything's like turned off by default all the settings are hidden all the all the functions and buttons and things are just sort of hidden away and you can pop them all out and all that complexity is there, I think. It's just kind of not there when you don't need it. And then in terms of the magnetic timeline, I absolutely love using it now. I can't really... I don't really like editing without it. Um, but it does take a bit of time to unlearn what you already knew about editing in a traditional timeline. Brand new editors who've never edited with anything before pick up Final Cut Ten really, really quickly. It's, it's older editors, or I don't even mean older editors. People who know, even like myself, people who have known normal nle timelines you have to kind of unlearn a bit of muscle memory and, and the way things work because things are a little bit inverted when you delete a clip it ripple deletes automatically you have to do a shortcut uh to not ripple delete which is the opposite way around and the way clip connections work yeah it takes a little time to get your head around and it's kind of that everyone every editor i know who's taken on final cut suddenly has that moment where it clicks and, and it's not quick you have to kind of jump in both feet first and just do a project, some projects in it until it clicks. And then when it does, it's, it's amazing. When
0: I was watching all these videos of people talking about transitioning, a lot of them were saying like, oh, I hate it when I delete a clip and all my music gets deleted because it's connected to the wrong place. Is there a quick way you could describe what people might be doing wrong so that they could not have those accidental connections or just knowing that they can reconnect or...
1: If you hold down shift and press delete, it'll delete the clip and leave everything else and leave you a black gap and leave everything else in place and everything connected will still be there. And then also if you hold down the, I think it's called the grave key, it's like a little tiny, when you, when you hold that down it, it and you delete a clip, it ignores the clip connections that, and all the clips stay. Also, I'd say that um, one thing about clip connections as well is in, in traditional NLEs, they... They're not connected to the video at all, but also the beginning of an audio clip isn't necessarily where the relevant bit of that audio is in sync with the video. So you might have a load of footsteps and a big door slam, but the door slam kind of happens a little bit later or early and you can actually in Final Cut, you can choose where you want those bits to be connected. So you're actually like telling the app where you want which bits of video sound is connected to rather than, it, rather than being disconnected and unrelated to each other.
0: I think a lot of people using the magnetic timeline will accidentally do things they didn't expect because there's a misunderstanding about clip connections. Um, you have some great tutorials where you show reconnecting them, moving clip connections. What are clip connections and how do you reassign them?
1: Okay, yeah, so a clip connection is where is the point at which an audio clip or a graphic or video clip is connected to the sort of primary video clip in your timeline. What it means is that you don't have to have the first frame of audio connected to the bit of video above it you could have like if you've got a rising tone and then an impact in the middle of a sound effect you can connect it at that that impact point to the correct shot and then when you move that shot around Like say you've got a punch and you have it connected to the exact frame where the punch happens. When you move those shots around, uh, the relative place of that punch is kind of encoded into the timeline. So when you move your clips, the sound effect goes with it. And and there's a shortcut just to move those clip connections. So the editor decides where they want those things, uh, audio clips, to be connected. Once you have that in your head that you're able to manage these clip connections, it just becomes a natural part of the process. The same way that people turning on and off tracks and things like that is in a track base, then, at least. It's just one of the things you do, and it comes really naturally.
0: When I look around, I can see a lot more examples of feature films that have used Premiere to edit the feature than Final Cut Ten. Final Cut 7 days, I think, it was, there was a bit more energy behind uh, you know, Hollywood using it. These days, there seems to be more people using Premiere. Why do you think that is?
1: I think if you look at Hollywood's films, the majority of them we'd actually done in Avid. So there's that on top of it. But, and I think the reason that a lot of more are done in Premiere is that Avid was, was or is the standard thing that people cut in. Final Cut 7 came in and sort of worked off that same metaphor and that became popular. And I think when Final Cut 10 kind of threw everything out and decided to reimagine the way things worked... Premiere is a great replacement for that Final Cut 7 and Avid workflow. It kind of, it it works in the same way. So I think a lot of old Final Cut 7 users have picked up Premiere and continue with that. I also think um, Hollywood productions, feature film productions are enormous and um, Premiere probably fits those established workflows a lot better because it works in the way that it's expected to work. And then the talent pool of uh, assistants and things, It's you're not having to relearn, you're not having to retrain or relearn pe- people, people having to relearn the software. It's kind of Avid, Premiere, Final Cut 7, they kind of work in a mostly similar way. So I think Premiere has kind of filled the shoes of Final Cut 7, which is sort of related to Avid as well, which is why I think Final Cut 10 isn't used as much. Um, yeah, but there have been big productions that have used Final Cut 10. I think it's just... It's a bigger commitment from the people who, from the editing department. And I think most editors are busy editing and don't have kind of time to relearn stuff. Uh, And if you don't know that you could be doing stuff quicker or differently, then why would you bother um, learning something new, I suppose?
0: Aside from the learning curve, do you think that Final Cut could be used on really big, complicated projects like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, right where I work now, there's a guy who, a couple of editors are working on a, uh, like a six part, Channel 4 Netflix uh, drama here, which they're doing. They're 50 shoot days. They're getting rushes every single day. They're working on that. Um, we've had a guy here do a, a feature film as well. And then there's Hollywood features that have been cut in it, like uh, Focus with Will Smith and the Whiskey Tango strap by Tina Fey. Those are all done in it. So there's, you know, it, it works. There's a workflow. It kind of, there's no reason it can't be done. I think it's more about the the editors and the people wanting to do it. And I think big Hollywood studios probably... When things work, you kind of stick with what's working. There's no point um, rocking the boat when you've got such, you know, when you've got months and months of things that need to hold together.
0: There's a lot of people that like Premiere for how well it integrates with After Effects so that certain VFX pipelines can work more simply with that dynamic link feature. Um, Is there anything missing from Final Cut if you're trying to do VFX?
1: like with regards to specifically you know going off to after effects it's kind of the you know it's the same with avid avid doesn't have a dynamic link to after effects as well and people use that just fine for hollywood movies but final cut works so well with raw codecs with Prores with all kinds of codecs and things that anything you throw at it, it can work with. So kind of, you know, sending out renders from After Effects and bringing them into Final Cut isn't an issue. Um, obviously, it doesn't have the dynamic link stuff, but um, yeah, there's no, there's no reason you can't turn over to, to post. And I think in some ways, there's kind of better, maybe if you're, a small production, and you're you know you're firing stuff back and forth to After Effects with uh, with your VFX person or even the editors doing it. I think Premiere is probably a, gr- a great case for that because you can be you know just sending stuff back and forth. But I think in bigger productions, doesn't that hurt? It doesn't need to be quite as it doesn't need to work quite in that way. And I think there's a lot of things with Final Cut's metadata and its its roles based organization and and XML where. I've, we've got an app called Producer's Best Friend, and we can send an XML out, and it gives all the metadata of the clips. It tells what effects are on, and we can produce these spreadsheets instantly that go to you know post houses, and and that, that's part of that VFX thing as well. So I think the conversation about VFX is definitely in films and commercials is a lot bigger than just After Effects. What's
0: something that you do feel missing from the Final Cut pipeline? Like what could be improved?
1: I mean, I'm always excited to see new features that I've never even considered. 'Cause um, none of us were asking for a magnetic timeline, but I love it. None of us were asking to work in the browser like we do, but I love it. So I'd be really interested to see stuff that I haven't even asked for or no one even has sort of conceived. That'd be great. But then one big thing I hear a lot of people saying I would like is sort of easier collaboration with other editors. Something where you've got better multi-user support and, and things like that. And I don't know whether that would be whether that necessarily needs to be tied to shared storage or if it's cloud based. I don't know exactly what it is, but kind of a nicer... I mean, it works well now. We have multiple editors working on projects and we've got a jellyfish and we kind of share projects and stuff like that. It works well, but it would be nice if there was a bit more of a seamless way of doing it. And I'm actually not actually sure. I'm not sure. I haven't really kept up on how Premiere works with... Collaboration and stuff like that. I mean I know they have a thing, but I don't know that it's that widely used or
0: I've talked to a few people that have said it got really good lately. Like their team their teamwork platform means that two people can be editing the same timeline at the same time and hit it basically has like a change uh log of like, here's exactly the changes each each person made and you can merge them together, see the differences and accept the other person's changes. And and also that it can be remote, whereas uh, you know, Da Vinci's trying to do some of this too, but it's only local, um, based on like a local network storage. I don't know. I, I love that idea in Premiere of being able to do it across the internet and you're just sending changes in the same workflow and uh, not needing to manually resync anything
1: yeah because if you've got mirrored drives or media in the cloud in some way or if it's being shared then you know the actual editing stuff is quite just small bits of metadata isn't it telling you where yeah. little blocks of clips are
0: yeah and, and then adobe can also use creative cloud to sync the proxies so if you're doing like a proxy well you're always doing a proxy workflow in premiere so if people sync the proxies with creative cloud they both have synced mirrored uh access to the data and then also synced timelines so that that premiere story is pretty cool right now can you imagine anything that would bring you away from final cut or or do you feel like this is where you're gonna stay
1: well i I guess a specific project could take me away if there was a project where i mean i'm quite lucky where i work that we kind of run we run the workflow and run the projects we do so we choose to cut in what we want some of us cut in premiere some in Uh, final cut 10 most in final cut 10 and some in avid if there was a project where i was a small smaller part of a team um you know there's a big tv show or film that i needed to work on and and it was mandated that we needed to cut in something else i'd obviously have to weigh it up but depending on what the project was i would obviously you know i'm an editor first i'm not a i'm an editor not a final cut user really that so you know i'd use what was required but um in terms of features i don't know because the sort of editing metaphor in Final Cut 10 with the browser and skimming and then the relationship you have with your media there and then the way the timeline works just is so clearly faster and better for me that I can't see me being pulled to another system that didn't have something that you know, works as quickly for me as well. Because I really like, I have, I'm have, i able to spend so much more time being creative and trying things out. You know, a lot of this, you know, Final Cut is faster at rendering and exporting and stuff. But the way it works, the way the metaphor works is faster as well. And it doesn't just mean that you can get stuff done quick earlier and get home earlier, but it also means that you can just spend more time doing stuff uh, and trying things out. Thanks so much, Thomas. I appreciate the feedback.
0: To get a premiere perspective, I decided to call my friend Johnny Harris, who produces the Amazing Borders show on Vox Media. You've probably seen it. Hey, Johnny. Hey, how's it going? I just noticed in, in our Skype conversation before this call that it was about 10 months ago that I was like, hey, you should check out Final Cut. Uh, how did that work out for you? You didn't switch, I take it. actually did.
2: No, well, I kind of switched. I, I started editing maybe half of my videos. I think it was coinciding with me doing more youtube videos on my channel which are infinitely simpler than the videos i do for, for borders and so i started to use it as a kind of learning experiment and i love it i love it for 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 that scope of project um, it's way faster on many levels but nowhere near what i need for borders and that's partly because of my workflow but also partly because i probably don't know all of the professional features of organization and stuff, but I think it's inherently just not set up for
0: my workflow. What are some of the key features about Premiere and the Adobe Creative Suite ecosystem that keep you coming back to it? Like what specifically makes you need Premiere?
2: Mainly the ability to have multiple sequences open at all times and being able to switch between those sequences and pull footage Sequences, i.e. timelines, for those who aren't familiar with Premiere, being able to pull footage and organize them in different ways in different sequences and then pull footage between sequences um, is a workflow that I've completely relied on. So when I shoot a terabyte of footage for borders, you know, terabyte of footage in 1080, um, I will then come and do selects, which is basically me sorting out all of my footage based not on chronology or when it was shot, but what it's of. So I just have tons and tons of these markers that actually use adjustment layers um, to label these big chunks of footage. And then when I'm editing, and especially when I'm doing like B-roll, I need to be able to pull from all of those footage. Some of it was shot on day one, some of it was shot on day seven, but it's all together in a bundle. And I just haven't found a way to do that in a really visual way in Final Cut other than kind of their keywording and stuff like that, which it doesn't really connect with my brain very well.
0: Right. In Borders episodes, there are a ton of visual effects. You have a lot of map animations, you have a lot of titling, you have a lot going on a lot more than I do. Um, What is it about Premiere and the Adobe suite that lets you do that?
2: Definitely integration with After Effects is A big one for me. I use the Adobe Dynamic Link feature from time to time, not a ton, but I use it enough to where it's really convenient for light animation to be able to dynamically link sequences so that when I edit them in a comp in After Effects, they immediately update for like lower thirds or location tags, things like that. And then just, I don't know, like being able to, the way Photoshop files and Illustrator files and the way they interact and integrate with Premiere is really great and helpful and smooth with me. Though I've I've found that Final Cut does a pretty decent job with different file formats. Yeah, I just, the integration and the connection with After Effects is is pretty important.
0: Could you do an After Effects Final Cut workflow or would it be such a a pain to sync between them that you just wouldn't really use them together?
2: No, I could, I totally could. Um, More and more, I find myself rendering out MOV files or MP4s from After Effects, so that I've got effectively a video file which behaves the same in any editor. So I don't need it, and I need it less and less. I could totally do that. Um, graphics aren't the main reason I'm I'm mm-hmm. coming back. It's it's more the environment, the editing environment, and my ability to play to play with footage in a way that doesn't optimize for chronology. I feel like Final Cut optimizes for being able to lay down footage in the way you shot it in a way that is so much faster and so much smarter. But that's not what Borders is. Borders is not, it's not a vlog. It's not chronology. Between the archive and the interviews and the B-roll that I shoot, it ends up in some janky rendition that has nothing to do with chronology. It has to do with topics and story beats that are, that just group very differently. And After Effects, or or sorry, Final Cut Pro does not seem to facilitate, at least to my knowledge that sort of a workflow that's very, very nonlinear.
0: Yeah, that's surprising to me because I thought you were going to say it was all about the integration with After Effects and your ability to animate within it, but it's just the customization within Premiere itself, being able to move uh, bins wherever you want and the interface being able to structure Mm -hmm. it in exactly the way that you need.
2: Yeah, which is funny. It's actually not even the bins. When I say organization, people immediately think of bins. For me, it's not the bins. It's the, the way the timeline works. And the way that you, ha- I can have seven or eight tracks of video, seven or eight tracks of audio that are all just there, and they're not trying to guess what I want them to look like or feel like. They are there, and they behave in this kind of clunky, non-magnetic way that um, allows me to interact with it and play with it. I'm, all, I'm constantly playing with the footage, and and I don't want it to snap or to 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 like guess what I want it to do, and um, I haven't been able to achieve that kind of flexibility to be able to play with footage and B-roll on a lot of different tracks in Final Cut. And I would love to know if that if that exists, if there's a more flexible way. But um, from my experience, I, just, I haven't even gotten close
0: to that. Well, and if you've already completely learned a program, you don't necessarily just need to switch because maybe it's better out there. Like grass is always greener, but you have a system that's been working for you. So Yeah. And I,
2: well, see, I've actually tried, though, because the thing that I love about Final Cut is how fast and dependable and solid it is uh, as a Mac user, the render times are just like like dizzyingly fast compared to what I'm used to. Um, the stability of the program, the just everything has a smoother feel to it. And so I actually did try with the intention of switching and quickly ran into a ceiling of like, man, I feel like I'm learning this, but I don't feel like it, it has the capacity to do what, what I need uh, for my specific workflow
0: how often do you run into performance or stability or reliability issues with premiere like is it a big obstacle for you
2: um not a big obstacle it's a it's an annoyance more than it is an obstacle i'll just have like days at a time where premiere is just acting up where it's either freezing or it's crashing um and it goes season like literally there's seasons of like premiere hell and there's like seasons of just like peace and like i'm in a season of peace right now and i don't know why but like (laughs) i've had like one crash yeah it always happens it always happens like right as i'm ready to publish that like premiere will like wake up the beast will wake up and be like all right i'm gonna give you hell now Mm -hmm. and um i don't know what that is but i it's not it's never to the point where it's an obstacle it's always an annoyance or something that slows me down render times certainly are a a consistent just it takes a long time like I'm, I'm looking at my 16 minute edit right now just chuck full of stuff you know it's eight layers deep and like everything and i know every time i want to render something now it's gonna be you know 35 minutes 40 minutes with my big mm-hmm. maxed out beast of a laptop and there's nothing i can do about that
0: yeah and unfortunately the same piece would probably be five to ten minutes in in final cut exactly um, which is just absurd I, yeah I do remember that what had me switch back from Premiere to Final Cut was a project just starting to crumble and just consistently crash. Like something about the project started to hate me and I just couldn't keep it alive without a crash. So eventually I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is slowing down my workflow more than the render times, just trying to keep Premiere running. I know it's not like that for everybody. I know there are probably things I was doing wrong, but I haven't had those same issues with the Final cuts. So.
2: I've I've had moments like that where there's just corruption in the air and I'm not sure what it is. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll just like start from scratch. Like I'll uninstall the program, install it again, and then I'll literally open two projects at the same time and copy over this, like not even this, the duplicated sequence, but the actual clips I'll copy onto like a fresh sequence, like basically just like flush the corruption away. And and sometimes that works. But like, yeah, I've had problems like that, but they're rare. They're, they're quite rare. And, and rare enough that it's not something that I'm constantly complaining about. Not that I've never had problems with
0: Final Cut. I have run into issues, just less. What's something that you really love about Premiere that keeps you using it?
2: What I love about Premiere is just the flexibility within it and the customization that exists. Um, it allows you to create a workflow that is your own and that is not guessed and designed by Apple engineers somewhere. Like it's it's your workflow and you created it and it's a little bit clunkier, but I, I like that idea of it not being so smooth that it's guessing how you want to organize footage and think about footage. And that's been really important for me as a storyteller because I need flexibility when I deal with my footage. I need it to be right at my fingertips and in the exact way that I've designed it
0: so that I can I can use it when I need it. I imagine it appeals to the same part of somebody's brain like that, you know, I like building a PC. I would love to build a PC now, but Macs get the job done in the way that I like. So I, I'm not, but I, I like that ability to customize and tinker. And I feel like uh, Premiere can trigger those same, uh, synapses in your mind.
2: I have a macro workflow that I use, um, hot keys, like advanced hot keys almost that allow me to use hot keys and, and mouse clicks to do a bunch of things in Premiere that just automate so many processes for me. And, um, and I've been able to hack that a little bit with final cut, but it's a much more, I mean, as is p- very predictable, like it's a little bit more buttoned up and sealed up and, and less mm-hmm. uh, flexible for tinkering, um, which is great you know, and, and, and actually great if I'm editing a vlog and I don't wanna have to make all these, these design decisions um, in my workflow design. I'm able to do it in like a really, really concise way. And I can edit a vlog probably in, in half the time with Final Cut if it's chronological and simple. Um, but as soon as it gets super complicated and I need four or five, six tracks of video to play around with, Final Cut just turns into a nightmare for me.
0: So, what would it take to make you switch, or or do you think you ever could switch? What would Final Cut need to do to bring you over?
2: Oh, I I, I could totally switch um, if Final Cut revised or at least gave the option for different timeline uh, logic and and timeline philosophy behind like how you stack things and how things are connected. Um, with less of a magnetic, everything's attached, everything snaps really and ripples really nicely, then I could probably, honestly, that is the main thing. I know it sounds so simple, like the timeline, but if I show you one of my projects, which I can actually do, like you'll see like the way I use timelines is ev- is everything for me. And if they changed it to more of a Premiere type timeline or an option for that, I would switch like immediately. Thanks so much for your
0: insights, Johnny, and good luck with the next episode of Borders. Thank you so much. It's great chatting. This episode is brought to you by Spark Camera. And what a perfect sponsor for a show all about video editing. So Spark Camera is a little app for your iPhone that does a very elegant and simple job of trimming your videos, <laughs> of editing video. The way that I use it is to edit my Instagram stories. And what I love is that I can both shoot and edit Basically at the same time. So all you do is, you know, point the camera, whatever you're going to shoot, like most camera apps, then you just press and hold anywhere on the screen and it starts recording. And then you let go to stop. And then inside you've got, a, you know, all the editing tools that you'd expect. You can trim clips and add music and adjust audio levels. But in a really simple way, this is really meant to be as quick moving as possible and I like it because I can edit together a bit of a vlog or an actual narrative in literally just a few minutes. It's not at all measured in hours. I can shoot and edit as I go, which is amazing. I, I really like this tool, and I honestly use it multiple times a week, and I have been for over a year now. So if you're interested in Spark Camera, I recommend that you go to sparkcamera.com slash to check it out. Or, of course, you can click the link in the show notes and show Spark Camera your appreciation for supporting this podcast. So thanks again to Spark Camera for supporting the show. So just when I thought I understood how Premiere worked on a Mac, I saw this great new video from Matthew Monus and he did some cool new benchmarks that I want to I wanna know what happened. I was really surprised.
3: Yeah, so um, Premiere's always been in a bad place for the past six or seven months on the Mac. And it's not Apple's fault because they're not the ones who's responsible for optimizing the software. But recently, a couple months ago, there was a huge update to the Metal API and Premiere. And all of a sudden, we saw all these MacBooks that struggled with Premiere six or seven months ago, all of a sudden become these very fast computers to render files in Premiere. And I think we were both interested
0: in it because there was a lot of videos coming out recently of people saying like, I'm ditching my MacBook Pro, because it's too slow specifically in premiere like that is the slow app and that's a lot of the reason i
3: left premiere a while ago yeah i mean that's that's the thing like we saw all these major videos coming out but the problem with these videos is that a lot of them were sponsored by specific laptop companies or gpu companies and someone who's a predominantly pc user was like okay well if the mac's that bad i need to see for myself so i went out bought a macbook pro and ran the tests for myself and realized that things have changed like it is a very enjoyable experience now compared to six or seven months ago where it wasn't. So I was just kind of questioning, you know, you know, obviously there's other reasons why people are, you know, frustrated with the Mac, and we can get into that. But um, one of the big issues is was always Premiere, and that seemed to completely change over the last couple of months. So
0: you ran some different tests on different computers. What were the tests and what were the results?
3: Okay, so um, I had a i9 MacBook Pro from 2018, and I had four gaming laptops with very powerful GPUs and processors. Um, the two comparable CPUs that stack up the most was the, a big, chunky, thick ThinkPad with a Xeon processor, same clock speed, same cores, same cache, same everything, and um, three other laptops that had these crazy GPUs that were like meant for gaming and doing things like rendering files in Blender. So when I ran these tests, I did two specific tests. I made it a very specific test to, to us creators on YouTube that we do on a daily basis. So render a video that we usually do to upload and then playback because, you know, playback is probably the most important thing to us. How is the timeline going to feel when we're editing a video? Is it going to be slow? Are we going to have a frustrating experience? And to my surprise, the MacBook Pro beat out all the laptops except for my crazy spec'd out desktop PC. And it did it by a considerable amount of time. And then when I did the playback test, um, you know, Premiere still drops a lot of frames, but the MacBook Pro happened to drop the least amount of frames.
0: Yeah, traditional wisdom, and this is what I was expecting to say in this video, is that if you want to use Premiere, you should probably consider a Windows PC because you can spec it out as much as you want and you can you know, make it as powerful as it needs to be. And then all of a sudden Premiere can be amazing. Um, and a lot of the advantage of Final Cut is that it can run on Slower software. It just doesn't require as impressive of hardware. Sorry, I said that wrong. A lot of the the great part of Final Cut is that it runs fine on slower hardware. It just doesn't have the same requirements and it is just so well optimized that it it can kind of do a pretty good job on on lesser hardware.
3: So yeah, we tell people that um, specs are not everything. This is something that's been discussed for like the whole Mac versus PC debate for the entire lifetime that specs don't matter anymore when you have software that's been optimized to run well with the hardware. And we've seen this on the iPhone, which is is a great example, right? Apple controls the hardware, the software, and with that, you get some crazy results. And we're starting to see companies like Adobe and Apple work closer together, to do these optimizations. Like these optimizations haven't flowed down to the PC yet and maybe we'll see something similar to what we're seeing on the Mac right now 2 or 3 months later on the PC. So I think the message is to people who start, you know, bashing one platform over the other because it's not running as fast as it should is to maybe be a little bit patient, wait for these optimizations to be put forth and then make your judgment.
0: Did you see any specific press releases from Adobe n- noting when this happened? Like I didn't see this change come through. It feels like a press cycle just totally forgot to say guess what adobe is way better now
3: yeah that's the thing like i i didn't see any press cycles but i remember watching um, i don't know if you know who he is his name is max yuri he does like a bunch of like um oh for sure yeah mac great. mac versus pc tests and stuff like that and i remember him mentioning something about an update to adobe that made metal better and that kind of clicked in my head i was like hey you know what i have to see this for myself like how much better could it possibly possibly be and to my surprise it was a huge difference there has been been this
0: long desire for all mac users to finally get nvidia support like that seemed like we can't do real high-end work until there's nvidia like it's not a real pro machine if we have to work with uh you know other any any other card because having cuda support and amd su- or uh nvidia support is like the most important thing is that not going to be the case anymore or
3: is it it's just for the really spec like special fo- <laughs>
0: Is it just for the really specific uses where you're doing 3D rendering, Blender, things like that?
3: Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's it's for very specific uses, like 3D rendering, Blender, um, gaming, obviously. Um, you know, if you're if you're into more of the PC type games. But I mean, when it comes to video editing um, now, like every ev- every NLE, which is uh, the short term for like these you know video programs, is now starting to find ways to use whatever hardware is in the computer to optimize it faster. So Final Cut's very good at using the the GPU for most of its stuff, and the integrated um, integrated GPU. Same with Adobe now. It's a very CPU-heavy, but it's utilizing the integrated GPU, which is what they call Intel QuickSync, and uh, the dedicated GPU that comes on the MacBook Pro. DaVinci Resolve, which is becoming very popular as well, is very GPU-heavy. So you might find benefits to doing that type of work on a PC because that's when you can really utilize like an NVID- NVIDIA GPU. And the thing is people understand is like if you were to stick an NVIDIA GPU in a Mac, the battery life would suffer completely. Like their chips are very hot. They have higher thermal limitations. So if you were to leave it off battery and run it at the performance that a MacBook is running right now, you could potentially have like battery disasters. So that's one of the reasons why um, Apple continues to, you know, gravitate towards AMD. Their TDP on their GPUs are significantly lower and therefore you get better battery life and better results when you're not plugged in. Having
0: a difference between
3: plugging in performance
0: and unplugged performance as a Mac user seems surprising to me. Like I, I wouldn't expect my computer to do that, but it, it makes sense when you've got to make sure that the GPU isn't you know, completely killing your battery when you're trying to use it on the go.
3: Absolutely. It's a it's a balancing act. Like you can go, you know, if you go one way, then the other side is going to suffer, um, you know, and the same holds true when you, you start looking at the other end of the spectrum. But if you want the best balance of everything, some sacrifices have to be made, even if it doesn't mean you have the most powerful GPU. And, you know, like we've been talking about, what we're seeing right now is that doesn't necessarily need to be the case for certain applications anymore. You know, especially for us video creators, you know, we're finding that um, they found a way to utilize whatever is on the computer to to make the experience better for all of us. So I noticed in one of your videos, you were gonna, said you're gonna be using a MacBook Pro a little more. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'll be honest with you, like I I've, haven't used a MacBook in eight years. Like, it's, I mean, like, I haven't bought one, used one in eight years. I mean, I've used it for work and stuff, but um, my experience has been really good. Like, I'm enjoying it. I love Mac OS, um, you know, being able to just like the little things. Like, you know, you have your watch on, you automatically log in, phone call comes in, and you're on your MacBook, it goes there. Just like the little things that most people take for granted, you start to appreciate again. And I still think that's, like, one area that, uh, you know, Windows is still struggling with. But at the same time, it's like, I like to game as well. It's like, oh, man, I got my MacBook. Maybe I'll play Diablo because that's all I can handle right now. (laughs) I'm still always tempted to build a PC.
0: Like, I'd love to build something that could render out uh, the 4K RAW from the C200 quickly. Uh, I mean, I I haven't built a PC since college, so... One of these days, I'll call you and ask you what I should do.
3: Yes, you should do it because you know what? Even if you, you know, we're, we're, in, the, we're in the business now or in the, in, the, in the sphere where we have that opportunity and it's still fun. It's a lot of fun to do. So you definitely taking advantage of it.
0: Awesome. Thanks for coming on.
3: No problem. Thank you, Tyler. So
0: I've got Jonathan Morrison here who you all know from YouTube, but he's been doing some deep dives into what's actually going on with Premiere and Final Cut. I don't know what you've been working on. What, what have you been finding?
4: Yeah, I mean, my my biggest thing is one, first and foremost, I use Final Cut Pro ten primarily. And I think I've always kind of teased Premiere. And just because I'm biased with Final Cut and I use it, uh, I wanted to dive in and really learn Premiere before I, I sat there and made any assessment or whatever it is. Because it's one thing to open a program and, you know, make some cuts or to import an XML. Um, but I wanted to actually sit there and before I really made an assessment, kind of learn the program, so that's where I've been right now. And along that way, I've seen, you know, as much as I would have given Premiere a hard time, I feel like they're they're trying or they've made improvements in terms of hardware and software optimization. There's some weird things in terms of the actual program that I still prefer Final Cut with, but it's it's clear that they're trying to step up that realm in terms of you know optimization.
0: So at this point, is there any big things in Premiere that would like prevent you from using it? Or is it just a preference that you just like Final Cut a bit more?
4: No, I mean, I feel like I don't want to, I'm not trying to start a, a flame war or anything. I feel like Final Cut is smarter for a lot of the things that, at least that I do. With Premiere, I feel like you usually have to do, you know, maybe two or three or four steps to do one thing in Final Cut. And for me, the biggest reason with Final Cut, I know people talk a lot about export speeds and that's like obviously the ice down the cake, but it's it's been more so like it gets out of the way for me. Mm-hmm. So I don't really think about, okay, I have to do this to make this video that way. Or, you know, it's I'm not thinking about the program, whereas Premiere, I feel like it just takes away from just yeah, being connected with the video, if that makes sense.
0: Right. It's more like directly hands-on manipulating what you're working on.
4: Right, you do have a lot of control, but there's just a lot of really, you know, silly things that don't make sense to me. Something as simple as stabilizing a clip if if the actual video resolution isn't the same as your project size, you have to nest it just to stabilize it, which seems, you know, weird. And there's usually like I said two or three steps that you have to do where you can do that one step, uh, just with one move in final cut. That's what I've kind of figured out so far.
0: Well, it's really funny. I think you'll find whoever's been using one or the other for a long time, you get used to whatever the weirdness is Mm -hmm. in your own program and then you try the other one and it, you know, it throws you off, which is why it's hard to create an unbiased review as we end up building up gradual biases to whatever it is we're using. Um, what, did you find anything really interesting in your test? Like, is there anything that you didn't expect to see? I think probably what I was most surprised
4: with is how, maybe how hard Adobe's working on the Mac side of things, where I feel like there's this narrative that, you know, if you want to use Premiere, you have to get a PC because it's optimized to work better. And with some of the Vega stuff, especially with the iMacs, the MacBook Pros, and um, even the the 5K iMac, the non-pro, that has Vega in there. And it's... You know, if you use Premiere, it, it is using that video card to its max capabilities. Like it is squeezing every bit of performance out of that. And um, I've stacked up. You know, we built this custom, uh, custom rigged PC build that it's and it's an awesome machine. It's super powerful. But you know, throwing like the twenty eighty Ti in there, that's a really expensive card, and it's powerful for sure. But the performance. Uh, it, For what you would think you would get on the PC side of things, it's not as drastic as you might think. So, and you know, there's I can maybe send you uh, video or screenshots, but in on the PC side of things, like it was nice to see even in Premiere, it's using like 30 to 50 percent of the of the video card in there from Nvidia, whereas on the Mac side of things, it's it's like maxing it out. So that was pretty interesting for me.
0: After doing all this, did you find any simple way to break down a recommendation for somebody? If they have no predisposition to Premiere or Final Cut, what's something that could help them choose?
4: For me, if you're on a Mac, you should use Final Cut, just point blank. Um, You know, for what we do, for what kind of videos we make in in the YouTube world, I don't think there's a better option in terms of just get out of the way, speed. Um, It's really smart, you know, with Premiere, that was another thing that I noticed where... Even, you know, shooting sixteen by nine using two to one frames and then dropping that in a in a project is one thing. But where I was actually shooting two to one video, in Premiere, it won't auto scale it to the project. So it'll just drop it in and won't know the difference. Right. And final cut, you drop it in, it scales it appropriately and those little things where you're not thinking about it. Um I think Probably if you like the idea of building a computer, I don't think the performance on Premiere is bad by any means. Like The machine that we built, it it flies with Premiere as much as it could, I guess. Um, And I would say the biggest, biggest, biggest thing for me is I realized how good of a value the iMac was in terms of getting a display of that caliber. And it wasn't from trying to sit there and... um, bring down the PC side of things or whatever. It was just like really, really trying to look for a comparable monitor or display Mm -hmm. in that price point is nearly impossible. And so at the end of the the day, we have this um, PC that we built that's about $3,000. And that's not including paying for Windows and that's not including, obviously a keyboard and mouse is one thing, but you're missing out on the display. Um, And that was kind of the biggest difference that I saw for sure.
0: Yeah, I think in the, in the end it's not really that interesting whether people uh want to get really excited and angry about different brands, but like in the end, you know, right. choose something that you end up feeling good about and when you're using it, you feel like you're able to focus on the job and not so much on the conversation about Mac right. versus PC cuz it's not it's not actually that interesting of a conversation in the long right. run. Um did you spend any t- did you happen to test uh DaVinci Resolve at all because there's a lot of excitement. About it, I have,
4: really. I haven't yet. I've always liked Resolve, and I guess I, I kind of figured Resolve was going to perform really well, anyways. And for me, it was honestly just trying to learn Premiere from like the ground level and not trying to do hacks or workarounds. So I wanted to learn, you know, a big part for me with Final Cut is the magnetic timeline, and with Premiere it's different, and you can get around that with you know like ripple cuts and stuff, and you know right off the bat if you do that, there's a way to to kind of mimic the the magnetic timeline. But then if you do that by default, you end up cutting your music track at the same time, which drove me crazy. Obviously, you can lock it, but it's just those little, those little extra steps that you have to take. I will say if you, you know, there's this whole world of laptops and desktops. And if, you, if you're in Premiere and you have no problem being glued to your desk, building something is a great way to go. The one thing I noticed with Windows laptops is with um, Premiere especially, with these heavy video cards inside these laptops, you're not going to get full performance unless you're plugged into a wall. And, you know, that's silly, but a lot of the times I like to not be plugged into a wall on my laptop. And so this isn't a this isn't a PC versus Windows. If you use Premiere um, and you don't mind being on your desk, you know, building a desktop is, is a great way to go. It's still... You know, doesn't come close in terms of performance with Final Cut, and I guess that was more of an eye opener for me. It wasn't just export times. Simple things like stabilizing a clip. Um, I think one of the tests that I did on the five K non Pro iMac to do the exact same clip to stabilize it, it was like twenty five seconds to stabilize it, and then another twenty seconds to render it. So forty seven seconds total. Uh, whereas in Premiere on this decked out PC, it was like two minutes just to render it or just to stabilize it. So it's not just export times, it's the little everyday uh, important things that also add up that I don't think people kind of really give it credit for. I feel like it's kind of, you hear it in basketball where it's like those, those plays that don't show up on the stat sheet that you know, they're almost like phantom advantages kind of start to come through when you really use both of them.
0: Did you find anything in the end that would be a use case for Premiere for you that like, oh, for this video, we're doing this specific thing and Premiere might do a better job for it? Nah. <laughs> That's all right. You don't have to find one. No, I mean, like, I'm just being, I'm trying to like yeah, yeah. really think. If somebody's really used to the Premiere world, they could probably say the same thing about Final Cut that you may not need to jump over if you have a workflow that's established. right? And it can be hard to see those invisible advantages if you just jump on it for a few hours. Like you're used to Premiere or even you're used to Final Cut 7, then you try Final Cut 10. Relearning it will slow you down so much in that first few hours that you may not get to the point where you realize how it can be faster.
4: Yeah, and I think I'm going to keep an open mind continuous through this. But for me, it was just something as simple as I didn't realize how much I appreciated something as small as scrubbing video with my mouse, and that's not something you can just do in Premiere. Um, They have, like, the old folder structure with bins and stuff, and you have a little tiny micro thumbnail that you can kind of scrub over. But with Final Cut, for example, if you have that clip in your viewer, you're just scrubbing your mouse, and something as small as that that I, I would have assumed was there. Like, those are the smaller things that I appreciate. But I think at the end of the day, you know software goes as far as the person using it. And I, I feel like I could make an equally awesome video in Premiere. It's not that it's a bad program. I just, obviously I'm comfortable in Final Cut and, you know, they make great things in Premiere. Just, it depends on how you use it, the machine you're using it. And I don't think, you know, it's as unoptimized or as bad as some people, including maybe my older self, <laughs> uh, would have would have given it a hard time for.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks for having an open mind and doing the hard tests that help people make decisions.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me. And let me know uh, what you find out. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of this.
0: Cool. Thanks, Jonathan. I don't know about you, but I was very interested to hear what all these people had to say. I think they all have a very clear-minded way of thinking about these Apps. Um, also, if you check out the video about this, you'll you'll notice there's a few more things added to it. Um, I think it's really interesting seeing how Premiere is actually developing. And obviously, what's really missing from all this is the story about Resolve. I think if I were to do this podcast and this video next year, I would need to much more strongly feature Resolve. I think it's it's happening now. Like this is the time that Resolve is becoming good enough for people to use as a full NLE editor. Um, I left it out because I I was having so much trouble with the last full version uh, with DaVinci Resolve 15. Uh, it was completely crashing my system. I couldn't play back my video without it just shutting down. And if that's the <laughs> current state of your editing software, I, I don't think it can quite be up for consideration as the new standard. But I know it's working great for a lot of people. I've been talking to more editors that are using it lately and... It's going to pick up a lot of steam the fact that it's free and extremely capable is really important um, what i use it for right now is grading my raw footage but i'm just basically using it to transcode uh you know so i'm just taking things from log to rec 709 and exporting them and i i haven't edited any full videos in davinci in a while so it's something I'm going to need to actually test out. I need to really know how it's it's working, but I'm not doing that at the moment. Uh, yeah, like I say, it'll be there in the future. If you don't already have DaVinci, you should go download it now. It's free. It's really cool. And what else? Oh, I mean, uh, interesting fact. This episode was almost entirely edited in Final Cut Pro, which is weird. I've, n- I've never edited a podcast in a video editor before, but uh, it makes you do some different things. I mean, for example, there is um it's not as quick to blend clips together. So you'll notice I just left in all the hard cuts where I edited anything out, you can hear it jumping. So go back and listen carefully to see if you can you can tell. Um, it's just these things that you don't notice about video audio that are much more obvious when you're listening with headphones, listening more carefully in a podcast type format anyway i think i think it all went pretty well one more time thanks to spark camera go to sparkcamera.com stallman i uh, i really have appreciated their support and love their software and thanks for listening guys see you next time